take your Bible and turn to the book of St. John 21, verse 5 and 12, please. Appreciate you being here today. Appreciate it so much. I don't know where I'll go very far or not. I just feel so wonderful. Woke up wonderful this morning. Amen. All right, St. John, chapter 21, verse 5 to 12. Then he called his fellows, have you caught any fish? They replied, what? Now, what Jesus is going to do here is painting a picture what their future is going to be. He's not talking about fish. He's talking about souls. The major push of the church is souls. If it doesn't reach souls, it's not fulfilling the commission that Jesus sent us for. We may accomplish a lot of other things, but we ought to shout, I'm going to come rejoicing, bringing the souls with me. And that's what he's going to do, right? He's going to paint a picture of what their future is going to be like. All right, next verse. Verse 6. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some souls. So they cast, and now they were not able to do what? Draw it because of what? I want you to know that God's plan is not a few, but it's multitude of souls. Multitude of souls. What God wants to reach and what he's after is souls. Okay, the next verse. And therefore the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, and then he removed and jumped into the sea. Okay. But other disciples came in little boats, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubics, dragging the net with fish. As soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals and the fish laid upon it and bread. So you know Jesus wasn't fishing for fish. He wasn't hungry for fish because he already had fish cooking. Amen? He wasn't interested in no fish. A guy asked me one time, one, some time ago, said, I want to bring you some fish. I said, are they uh, clean? He said, no. I said, then don't bring them. The only way I eat a fish is on the plate, you know. I, I, you know, that, 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 that's beside the point, I guess. But that's the only way I eat him. All right. And Jesus said unto them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of little old bitty minners. What? Listen, God wants to reach a great multitude, a great multitude, okay? 153, although there were many, the net was what? It wasn't broken. Okay, go ahead. Jesus said unto them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples asked him, who are you? Knowing that he was the Lord, okay? 
I want to share with you a great and mighty harvest. It's already in place around this world. I'm going to share with you some places that you wouldn't think the mighty revival is moving. From the day that Jesus went back to heaven and poured out the Holy Ghost, he has been pouring out. Acts 2.39 said his promise to you, your children, as far off as our Lord God shall call a mighty revival. Come on, church. God has promised a mighty revival. He's having a mighty revival. And close to a great what? Multitude. Multitude of fish. And the partners, some people are wondering, said, well, we, we're not able to have a, a great move of God. We don't have enough people. But I want you to know that God's got people already in the wing waiting to help them. Exodus 31, before they ever started the tabernacle, they had gold and silver and all those kind of things that they need. And God had already said, I put my spirit in them to help build. I'm, I, I believe there's people right outside these doors right now is going to have the spirit of God in them so strong that they're going to help build the kingdom of God. We as Christians are not to be church attenders. We ought to be church builders. We don't ought to be satisfied just attending the church. We ought not to be satisfied until we build something for God. I encourage you to read the book of Esther, not Esther, but Ezra and Nehemiah, how they built back the, king, the tabernacle under the worst kinds of conditions. Somebody say amen. I'm going to work in the worst kinds of condition because if God is for us, there's nothing can be against us. There is a great, mighty harvest in process right now. Second Peter 1 and 4 said, Are given unto us. Why don't you put your name under there? Given unto me exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. God wants us to partake of him. He wants us to have all that he has. Matthew 9, 37 said, The harvest truly is plentiful. It's plentiful, the harvest. How many believe there's so many souls outside this church, this church cannot hold them if they come? I want to encourage you, don't be trying to get other people from other churches come here. Don't do that. You get somebody that's lost and undone without God. Somebody that needs God. Somebody needs to be delivered from the powers of the darkness of this world. The world is full of them because Jesus said the harvest is great. It's plentifulness. It's plentiful. Luke 10 and 2 said the harvest is great. The harvest is great. Revelation 14, 15 said the harvest is ripe. I believe the Lord is soon to come. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe if he was to reveal how soon he is to come, probably wouldn't of us go home and eat lunch because he's a coming in an hour that we think not. He's coming when we're so caught up in other things. God's plan to come is coming when nobody knows. Nobody knows. We are to pray to Jesus to send what? He is the Lord of the harvest. He said, if you'll pray, I will send you the harvest. I want you to pray for me. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, this thing, this scripture bothers me, Sister Linda. 
if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. We know he's done been lifted up, right? We know he's done been lifted on the cross. But he said, if you will lift me up, I will draw all men, not to Calvary Tabernacle, but to himself. To himself. No man cometh to God except he's drawn by the Spirit. Oh, God, fill our hearts with the love of God so strong that we would love this world the same way God loved this world. I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love, been in love for, what, 60-something years. But I'm love with Christ Jesus. How many of you love him beyond anything else in this world? He's your master, your teacher, your leader, and your guide. We mentioned in the Sunday school class, there's two books National best-selling, the richest man in the world, and the greatest man who ever lived. That's Jesus Christ. And he writes nearly a half a page about Napoleon Bonaparte, what he thought about Jesus. He said, Jesus is the greatest one that's ever lived. He loved reading and studying the New Testament about Jesus. Who would ever thought that he would have known that? There's a great harvest. I feel it. I feel it. Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to birth through us. That's the way he built his church, it's through us. Let me read you this scripture here in St. John that Jesus said in 738, from his inward being shall flow rivers of living waters. And that word innermost means Womb, womb, you have a womb, I have a womb, the church has a womb. If Mary was impregnated with the seed and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her and she brought forth life. Now I want to share with you what the womb will do. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and verse 4, 2 said, Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. He gives us a womb to bring forth truth. We are the womb of God upon this earth. We're the only womb that he has in this world to birth something of this life. And he's given it to us. And then he said, we are not the source of life, but we are the carrier of life. When a woman comes to the fullness of her time, then the child is born. When the church comes to the fullness of her time, children will be born from the womb of the church. Isn't that simple? How God wants to birth something through us and bring us into the wonderful things of God. We do not generate life. We carry life and release life to this world. Who were these men who launched out? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to have to back up. I'm so nervous. I can't hardly. So excited. Just getting excited here. Let me get my pages unstuck together. Example of God's mightily moving of God is found in the book of Acts. It's found in the 11th chapter, verse 20 and verse 21. And men from Cyrus and Korea went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks telling them of the good news about Jesus. The Lord's hand was upon them, 
and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Turned to the Lord. Such a great mighty harvest occurred, and news got to Jerusalem, so they sent Barnabas down there to see what's going on. And then this is when Barnabas arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and greatly was amazed at the number of people. Now, I want you to notice something right here. It does not say anything about an evangelist being down there. It doesn't say anything about a great writer of a book being down there. It didn't say anything about a great television preacher of his ministry being down there. We do not know from that scripture who they were. How many believe that God can use you and maybe the world may never know who you are? As long as we know Christ and Christ knows us. They had such a revival and history says this church was birthed by these men that we don't know outgrew the church at Jerusalem. Oh, I'm telling you, church, God is mighty. He's powerful. He's loving. He's caring. He has a wonderful job for us to do. How many of you ever heard of Jimmy Swaggart? A great and mighty harvest. In 1986, the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to every village in town and city. I'm going to every home throughout the entire Soviet Union. He spoke to him. I wished I could understand. I tried to talk to Sister Jody this morning how she's been able to receive such things from God. God is speaking to us. And when he speaks, we got to believe God. We got to move when God says move. But in 1986, he spoke to Jimmy Swaggart, and he said, I believe what God said. Three years go by, and nothing happens. Sometimes if we don't immediately see the results when God speaks to us or when we pray, we get discouraged and what? We give up. It must not have been God's will. Three years go by. I want it. God put him in touch with another man, and they partnered up. And this is what happened. This man was Jim Woodsley, whom the Lord put in partnership with him to open the door after three years. Today, in the Soviet Union, throughout many of those countries over there, broadcasting from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, they have already spread the gospel to 300 million souls. He was over there just recently and preached. And God gave a prophetic word through a, a prophecy. I am going to spread this news throughout all of the Soviet Union in that world over there. God is not limited to America. He uses America sometimes to reach other people and what God wants for them. We ought to shout hallelujah. 
I'm telling you, church, we ought to be on our feet, hallelujah, that Christ is reviving the whole world in the Soviet Union. In the worst of times, in the most difficult times, some of his own people are leaving Russia. They're tired of fighting, don't fight no more. Sid Ross said he's seen over a thousand so come to his meetings and the Holy Ghost just falling on them. Hungry. You know, the Bible said he that's hungry and thirst for righteousness shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God's on the move. You ought to shout hallelujah. God's on the move. He's on the move. He's always been on the move. He's always going to stay on the move. He's spreading this gospel throughout the world. Throughout the world. Just recently, maybe a year or so ago, uh, Janice, I forgot her maiden name, but her last name, and now young. She grew up with Peggy in Houston. They went to the same church. She married Simeon Young. They went off up north and pastored a church until just recently. And Peggy invited them to come to the house and they come, she come and stayed a few days, and then she invited us to go out there and stay a few days with them. And when we got out there, Simeon said, I want to take you and show you something. He, I wouldn't call him an end-time prophet, but his name is Irvin Baxter. He was up north, pastoring a church. A guy in Dallas said, if you'll move your down here, I will furnish you the facility. I will furnish you all the equipment you need. And I will furnish you a salary to publish this gospel throughout the world. How many of you know who, who owns all the money in the world? Don't tell me all these billionaires. Don't, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that got billions. I want you to know what they got belongs to God. You say, well, they're so tight you can't get it. You hadn't seen God work on a tight person before. God can cause a tight person to release what he has because it all belongs to God and their heart's in God's hand like a channel. It's a marvelous facility to see if we walk through it. Brother Baxter said, we can't go down this aisle down in here now. said, we're broadcasting today all over France. Come on now. What's he broadcasting? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Broadcasting the good news. The gospel is spreading around the world. Hallelujah. Isn't God so wonderful? So marvelous in what he's doing? We probably feel all alone in, in Queen City. But I tell you, you're in maybe not the best part of the world, but you're part of the best part of the world is <laughs> Queen City. You don't need to go somewhere to have a mighty revival. You don't need to go somewhere to be mightily used of God. It's right here. This is your harvest field. And where you're giving in the Bibles, the wonderful things of God. Something good is not about to happen. Something good is what? It's happening. It's happening all over the world. And Acts says he gives you, Acts 1 and 8 said he gives you power to witness the utmost parts of the earth. 
So that's what's happening around the world. Matthew 5 and 10 said, Blessed are they which are persecuted. How many feel like you're blessed when you're persecuted? Some of you shaking your head. The scripture said you're blessed. That's what it said. It said you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteous sake. That, then the Bible said count your what? Blessing. So you ought to count persecution as a what? As a blessing. Because it's going to come from the fruit of your womb. Something good and something great is happening. I want to share with you out of a magazine that we get here at the church. It's called um, Voice of Mart uh, Martyrs. I want to share with you what's happening in other parts of the world. Teenagers. And their faith in God and what God is doing through them and how they're going through severe persecution. There's not a place on this planet you can live if you live for Christ that you're not going to go through persecution. If we think we can go through this life without persecution, then we're above Jesus. He was persecuted for our sake. He bore our sins, our sickness, and all of our disease that we might be free from the things of this world. But he's got people everywhere. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel was not the only teenagers he has working for him bountifully and working powerfully in the kingdom of God under persecution. If we wait until persecution is gone, we'll never do a work for God. Our greatest work will be when we're doing it among persecution. Now, some of these teenagers that we're going to mention, we're not going to call them the names because I can't pronounce them. And not only that, they was under ex extreme persecution, some of them from their families. One of them, mother whooped her with a board and run her off because she believed in Jesus Christ and had received the the Spirit of God in her life. And some of them, the village, villages she lived in, they lived in, run them out of the village because they didn't want that gospel of Jesus Christ. But God turns things around. He blessed them. Even though they was under severe persecution. Some of them were very young when they was persecuted. This one here... I think we might call her Myra, how bad she was persecuted, how her mother raged against her and sent her out. And she had to go to another village where she was not really known, but she still served God. You know what her delight was? Is getting up early in the morning and reading the Word of God. That's the first thing she did when she get up early in the morning to read the Word of God. The next thing she did, she got out and prayed. And she prayed. The next thing she got up, she worshipped. said, I love worship. It's my favorite part because when you're worshiping, said, you're communicating and you're fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. Her favorite scriptures in the Bible is in Timothy. 
despise not the days of your youth and what God is doing in their lives and what God is changing the cities and the villages that they live in. This one young girl, they run out of home and at a very young age, at 21, she's still serving, walking with God under extreme persecution. She began to pray, said, God, I want you to send me a husband that will love Jesus like I love Jesus. The Lord did. He did exactly what she asked for. Then she wanted to have her family with her, but she was afraid to send and ask for her mother and them to come because they had run her out of the house and had hit her with a board. She had to leave the village. So she prayed. How many know that God answered her? What did God say? Anybody want to guess? Huh? Ask them. How many know that Jesus come by the place one time and he asked these people, said, how come you're not working in my vineyard? He said, because nobody have asked us. He said, I'm asking you. Our nursery is overwhelmed. We need laborers to take care of your little bitty babies. Hallelujah. So she sent and invited her mother. And guess who come? Anybody want to guess? Say it out loud. All of her family came to this traditional Christian wedding which they'd never seen before. And when the wedding was over with and those sort of things, the mama and the papa asked the daughter, we have experienced so much love that we have never felt and experienced before. We want to know how we can know this Jesus that you know. We want to know how we can get some Bibles that you have because they withstood the persecution and lived their life for God in the worst of conditions, and God opened the door. It's happening, church. It's happening all over the world. This one girl is Emily. She was real young, very persecuted in school. Some of the other girls would hold her, take her sandwich away from her, and chew it up in their mouth, and then spit all over it, and then make her eat it. But she held fast to Jesus. She held on to Jesus as years go by. Severe persecution went on them, but she held on to Jesus. And one day, I tell you, I just want to cry, lay down and cry. The school said, Emily, would you like to make a speech to the school? I want you, you might want to figure out what happened. And some of them that persecuted her so much sat on the front row and laughed at her. But as God gave her the word, the laughter stopped. Oh, and after it was all over with, some of them came forward. We want to know this Christ you're talking about. Can we have a Bible that you read? I teach God is on the move. You say, why is he moving so much? Because he's getting ready to come to get to church. He's coming ready to get to church. 
He's preparing a church. Revelation said it's ripe for the harvest. There was these three boys severely persecuted, severely teenage boys persecuted. One day they took them out, put a hood over them, carried them up in the mountain. They tried to get them to deny Christ, and they wouldn't do it. said, get down on your knees, and they knew what was coming right then. They was going to be shot. They knew that. So they got out, and they were down on their knees. They pulled the hood off of them and told them, so now count to 500. And they began to pray, looking to hear the bullets at any time. As they began to pray, after 500, they opened their eyes and looked around, and their accusers was gone. All gone. Because Jesus Christ was with them in the worst condition in their life when they thought their life was to come to the end, God sent their persecutors away from them and blessed them abundantly because of their life they lived for God. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. I don't guess Brother Don and them would come. and I think it's really a good thing to straighten up when I was a kid, sometimes they said to straighten up and fly right. <laughs> Never didn't know what that meant. <laughs> but <laughs> amen. So God is using young people. And he's using old people. Huh? He used Samuel in a time when no one was hearing from God. Just a teenager. He wasn't even a teenager, but he was hearing from God. He used Elizabeth and Zechariah. They was old. I don't know. The scripture said they're old, right, Sister Linda? They're old, well up in years and age. But God used them miraculously to bring the greatest prophet, John the Baptist. Jesus said has ever lived. But He said, "If you believe in Me," Jesus said, "If you believe in Me." you'll be greater than John the Baptist. So God bless you. Listen to God, what he's saying to you. To evangelize this city and evangelize the world and the great. There's so many more things in this little book that you could say and how they was persecuted and how they held on to God. How many has ever heard of a lady named Madame Guyton? She lived many, many years ago. The king of France put her in prison because she believed in Jesus Christ. She wouldn't shut up, so he put her in prison. And one day, the Lord moved on this king, said, you release her. He said, I'll release her to another part of France, like in maybe our center to Cass County. you find that Solomon done the same thing. With a man, he said, I'm going to put you over here now, but if you ever leave, I'll kill you. If you don't, if you don't you ever leave those premises, if you do, I'm going to kill you because you've been so bad to my daddy. But therefore, he exiled Madame Guyton. As long as she lived, they traveled from around the world, flying to hear that woman speak about Jesus Christ. She lived her life out in that area and never left but she touched her world. Although she was in prison, so to speak, couldn't leave. Hallelujah. 
God may shut you up, and I mean, the devil may shut you up, but I want you to know that God cannot be shut up. He may put you in prison and walls, but he cannot stop your voice from speaking the wonderful things of God. So God bless you today. You having a great day right now. You're going to have a greater day tomorrow. When you put your confidence and trust in God, you never know when God is going to put something in our mouths to speak to people. I thought about that situation with the angel. I could see that truck hitting that car. I feel like that the devil didn't want me to carry that book and talk to that guy again. But I got to go see him again that day. I went on my way, went on down the road, went to where he was. He was so excited. May God bless you be here today. May the rest of your life have the best life you've ever lived. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.